What you never knew about the Gospel of Luke. This is Dive Deep. From the Diocese of Springfield in Illinois, this is Dive Deep, where we dive deep into our Catholic faith. I am Andrew Hansen, along with Father Chris House, special guest in studio. I shouldn't even really call you a guest anymore because you're here so much, Father Michael Friedel from Decatur. I how, still feel like a guest. How it goes it? You're rocking SHG, so you got the whole, you know. Don't tell. Yeah. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, you, you're, you're rocking Decatur. You're a Soy City guy now, but you still got some roots back here in Springfield representing That's SHG. True. You got St. T and Decatur. Literally every time I wear this in Decatur, though, everybody comments about how I don't have a St. T. We'll get, thing on. We'll tell them to buy you one. That's what I keep saying. <laughs> I haven't gotten it yet. Ah, so. good point. All right, so we're in year C of the calendar year for the church. Did I even say that correctly? I know there's all these liturgic. Well, no, the scripture cycle is yeah. C. Okay, yes. there we go. So that's focusing on the gospel, Luke. So we're going to talk all about this. We got uh, Lent coming up. Uh, we're going to talk with Father Friedel and Father House about the gospel of Luke. So I know so many of you, uh, as part of your Lent, you like to dive deep into the Gospels, learn more about them. Uh, so this is a great avenue for you to learn more about it. Uh, so first things first, guys, what do we know about Luke? Who who was he? Let's start with you, Father House. What do we know? Because you're, you're our history guy. Oh, yeah, well, he's got the degree in <laughs> No, I mean, He's probably what, smarter what, than me. <laughs> no, we were just talking about this. I mean, it's certain points about Luke are debated. Um, for some, they, he was a Greek physician, most likely, who lived in Antioch in Syria. Um some other camps say that he was a Hellenic Jew, but I think most scholarship seems to put him as being as Greek. Right. So he was a Gentile and writing to a mixed audience of both Gentiles and Jews. Do so. we know when he lived or when he maybe even wrote this gospel? I mean, if you get into the dating of the gospels, you open a whole can of worms. Most scholarship says around 85 AD, okay. 80, 85. So it's, but you'll get people that, say everything from like 60 to 140 or something like that. But most, most scholarship says around 85. And we, we do know he's a companion of St. Paul. He's mentioned multiple times in Paul's epistles. Yeah. So that's beyond. probably where he got most of his information. Well, for the gospel, actually, it comes from Mark, actually, is it's foundational to Luke. And of course, and there's the Q source which is the unknown source, but it's what makes up the rest for Matthew and Luke. But yeah, but he's mentioned multiple times in Paul's writings, and he's actually also, by tradition, the author of Acts as well. Okay. So, yeah, so, so he was probably a, a, a follower of Paul. Uh, so certainly he's mentioned uh, several times in Paul's letters and, um, yeah, following Paul, but not necessarily getting all the gospel information from from Paul since... Paul would have had to visit Peter and the other apostles, as he says. Now, as we read Luke this liturgical year, and again, if you're diving deep, uh, this Lent into the Bible, you're going to be obviously reading Luke. Uh, Father House, you mentioned uh, perhaps the only gospel written by a Gentile. Um, that's significant uh, in, in that um, because of the audience he was speaking to. So th- tell us more about why you think that, you know, what he was what he was writing was is directed toward a certain audience and, and then how we can even interpret that ourselves. Well, all four Gospels have, to a certain degree, have an audience mm-hmm. to them. And you can kind of tell by uh, certain aspects of, and Father Friedel could speak better to this than I can, but there are different points of the Gospel is why scholars believe that, where they focus on certain realities, certain customs, focusing here and there. So that's why I can't, off the top of my head, I cannot tell you why Luke is considered to have a Gentile audience. So Yeah, there's, I mean, there's uh, a little bit different. So one of the things is kind of, it touches on the major project of, of Luke and Acts. So, um, you know, 
Luke is the author of both the Gospel of Luke and Acts of the Apostles. And if you follow the kind of train of uh, Luke into Acts, one of the major sort of points of that gospel uh, and and the stories that, that Luke is telling is to sort of defend the spread of, uh, of the gospel message into Gentile territory. So to tell us that it's going out into the Gentile world and that there, there is indeed reason uh, that Jesus Christ himself desired that message to go out into Gentile territory. So very much written not just for an apologetic, you know, like Matthew's gospel, written for the Jews so that the Jews can come to believe that Jesus is the Christ. Luke's gospel seems to be a little bit more written to, uh, with an idea toward converting the nations. Now, when you look through the gospel of Luke, Father Friedel, what, what are some of the, the major themes or what are some things that, that really point out to you? I know uh, it's the longest gospel, which I think is kind of interesting. I remember last, uh, last time we did a podcast, similar, we did Mark, which is the shortest gospel. Um, uh, it, it features uh, well-known parables. I also think Luke, from my research, he adds details. He's a detail guy. Yeah. Uh, what strikes you uh, about the Gospel of Luke? And, and as people read the Gospel of Luke, maybe again, perhaps during this Lent, what, sh- what are some things that you think are, are really important? Yeah, I think one of the things that uh, we see from the very outset of, of Luke's Gospel is, you know, he gives actually a reason for, the, for why he's writing. So the first four uh, verses of Luke's Gospel uh, they're they're among the hardest Greek uh, in the New Testament. So Luke has a very elevated style. You'll notice that if you're reading through through Luke. There's all like he's he's um, clearly the most educated. Um, I say that there's probably people that dispute that, but uh, in my eye, clearly the most educated of the gospel writers because he um, he probably was a physician, and so he has uh, a lot of history there. But he's also the way he weaves the story, the Greek that he's using, it's very, it's very elevated. Um, so he's, he's got a very clear um, sort of style. But he also gives us the reason why he writes the gospel, which is uh, he wants to give an orderly account of, of, you know, he says other people have written accounts of the gospel. I desire to, to write down in an orderly manner the things that happened. He didn't think Mark did, apparently. <laughs> apparently not. <laughs> he, he liked the stories because he uses a lot of Mark in his gospel. But... Um, but it gives a little bit of a, an avenue of, you know, I'm, I'm writing this so that, um, so that others will come to know kind of in an orderly way the stories of Jesus Christ. I know the parables are the big thing, Father House. I know um, when, when you look at all the parables, the debtors, the, the rich fool, punishment, barren tree, lost coin, true man, rich man and Lazarus, I know that was a big one. What, do you think, you think that's a, why do you think Luke really spelling that out? Because is, is parables just, you know, he really, that's what Jesus ultimately taught how. Yeah, that Jesus' main teaching. Cool. And and what do you think we're supposed to read into that as we really read the Gospel of Luke? As, as we think about these parables, um, how should we try to be putting ourselves into these stories and be thinking about, you know, how do we connect with what Jesus is saying? Well, yeah, because the message is timeless. It's, it's as relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago. But I think one of the things very much about the parable is, especially for, and correct me if I'm wrong, but especially if you have a Gentile audience or an audience 2,000 years later, is that you don't have to be steeped in Judaism of the day or of even now, but the, the parable can speak to you yeah. because the parable speaks to human experience. It speaks to different aspects of life. So anyone who's listening can find themselves drawn in because of that teaching style that Jesus had with the parable, which is very much a part of Luke's uh, his storytelling. And especially the parable of the prodigal son, the Good Samaritan, I feel like that's one of the most well-known that's in the Gospel of Luke. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the, I mean, what parables do is it takes the kingdom of God, which is the sort of, 
amorphous thing. You know, Jesus is trying to teach us what is the kingdom of God, what is the logic of the kingdom of God like. And for us, it's kind of like, uh, I don't know, it's, you know, it's, it's so otherworldly um, in many ways, but, but you put it into a story and there's so many elements you can relate with and kind of begin to parse a little bit. So it really does for 2000 years later, there's a lot in the parables that you kind of, it helps to know the, the environment that Jesus was telling them in, but you can read them today and they're still incredibly relevant. Uh, you know, who can't read the uh, parable of the Good Samaritan or the prodigal son and kind of see yourself in the story <laughs> somewhere. And I think that with the parables, I think for me, among the four gospels, I would argue that Luke is the most beautiful yeah. in his style. Um, when you think of the nativity story, if you were to describe for somebody the nativity story, the majority of the details that you're going to give come from Luke's gospel, except for the Magi. Pretty much everything that we know about the nativity story comes from Luke, the beauty of the parables. And even in the passion narrative of Luke, you know, John presents us with a very triumphant Jesus that, yeah, I'm letting all this happen, and I know how it's going to work out. Mark and Matthew give us a Jesus that is surrounded by an encroaching darkness and evil. Luke gives us very much a suffering Messiah, a suffering servant, um, in line with Isaiah, who as he goes to the cross, he's ministering all the way. He's consoling those along the way. He is calling people to hope along the way. And so you have a very beautiful, loving, merciful Lord, even as he's going to his own passion and death, which that's just something that has always endeared Luke's gospel to me. Yeah, that, that sense of su- the suffering Messiah is like very evident in in Luke's gospel to the point where, as you said, ministering all the way up until the cross. He's, he's there on the cross speaking to the other, uh, the, the good thief and the bad thief. So... Um, yeah, there's just uh, there's a lot of personality put on uh, the Lord in Luke's gospel, um, but also um, some of the those parables give us those are kind of you know we can look at the particular aspects of Luke's gospel. So like some of those parables, and you see um, the Luke's emphasis kind of come out through them. So in in those parables, we get the richness of the fact that Luke's gospel is often called the gospel for the poor. Um, because he he emphasizes in um, very specific ways that that Christ was uh, always uh, sort of with the poor and emphasizing the you know to to disp- dispossess yourself of of your possessions and to enter into the kingdom of God and um, you know so you get you get that you get uh, the fact that his is the gospel of joy his is the gospel of prayer um, this was something that I was just praying over the um, the baptism of Jesus. And it's like I've never read the Gospel of Luke's version of the, of the baptism of Jesus. But uh, in, other, in the other Gospels, you get, you know, John baptizes, and then, of course, the clouds part, and the Holy Spirit comes down in the form of a dove, and you get the Father uh, speaking from heaven. Um, this it's a good sound son. effect there is you yeah, get the know, right. Father Sorry. speaking, you nailed the mic. Yeah, okay. um, but in Luke's Gospel, it says, having been baptized, and uh, while he was in prayer the heaven, heaven was opened and uh, the Father speaks and the Holy Spirit descends. So while Jesus was in prayer is the moment when this comes uh, to be confirmed, the identity of Jesus. So you get little details like that, that uh, in Luke's gospel, it becomes emphasized over and over and over again that these significant moments in the life of Jesus happen when he is communing with the Father. Um, and so you, you see that uh, played out. And Luke's gospel is always, if you'll notice, uh, in the gospels that we read every Sunday, 
it's it's always talking about Jesus goes off and prays, and he's in the midst of all these people, and then Jesus goes off and prays. He's 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 a praying Messiah. But I think that's interesting. You know, as we try to as here we are two thousand years later, what do we take from the Gospels? I think what you just said is very. You know, I've never heard that before. Of okay, everything you do, if you have something trying ahead of you, take it to prayer first, and God will show you the way. Uh, you mentioned the details. I know also in, in Luke's gospel, he talks about Jesus sweating blood when he was suffering in the garden, uh, Jesus appearing to the two disciples uh, after his resurrection. Any, is there any story between you two uh, that's in the gospel of Luke or a scripture passage that you just love, or is there something that you're just like, or a story? I know you mentioned, Father House, the, the infancy narratives. I, I know I always love your, your Christmas homilies. <laughs> you're always great with, with adding, in, uh, adding in some great details and stories like that. The funny thing, though, is my favorite is the Magi, though. I've always had a devotion. <laughs> the Magi, and, and Luke doesn't deal with them. <laughs> Way to go, That's Luke. all right, yeah. So, you know, for me, it always, it's the prodigal son. That's always been one of my favorites. I have a, like a three-by-four-foot copy of Rembrandt's painting of the prodigal son in my office. Um, there's just so much beauty to that parable, I mean, that tells us about God. Yeah. And that, so, I mean, that's the thing. Luke is just, Luke's gospel for me, it just, not that any of them ever get old, but there's always a newness to Luke for me. There's just, it's, there's always a deeper level. I just, I don't know why or that, but it's just, I think, you know, one thing about Luke, Luke and Matthew both, they both do the, the genealogy. Matthew is very much shows in his genealogy, takes back to Abraham, that Jesus is the son of David. Luke very much, very much wants us to see that Jesus is the son of God because he takes it beyond Abraham all the way back to Adam basically to creation. As Father Friedel was talking about, Jesus is always in prayer. He's always connected to the Father. So you see there's very much, there is this tenderness, there's compassion. Um, there's a very human side of Jesus that is portrayed. Not, I mean, he always has his human nature. All Gospels agree with that. But I think that it's shown in a very wonderful, tender way in Luke's writings. Yeah, and then... And- the point of you know Luke's gospel is again very intently that God had a plan to manifest Himself to the Gentiles too. So, you know, for those of us who are not of Jewish origin, uh, that's incredibly significant, right? We weren't just kind of patched in last minute to God's plan, but like you know, to your point, going all the way back to Adam, that from the very beginning of man, God had a plan to manifest Himself uh, to the nations, and this is how it came about. Um, I think my favorite story, though, is uh, the the road to Emmaus. Uh, just that that story of, you know, the the two disciples walking away sad, <laughs> and just you know, Jesus walks up to them and they're like, "Are you the only person that that doesn't know what just happened in Jerusalem?" It's like, uh, little did they know that it's Jesus walking in their midst. And there's something about that that kind of reversal from um, the devastation of seeing the sacrifice that Jesus took upon himself uh, to reconcile us to the Father, to the joy of realizing that it's the risen Christ, and precisely through the fa- through uh, the breaking of the bread, right? It's through the Eucharistic feast um, that they come to realize um, that this is, this is the Christ, and then they go back rejoicing to Jerusalem to tell the apostles, you know, guess who we saw? <laughs> we, saw <laughs> we saw we saw Jesus. You know, um, the other one thing I, I found in my research, I didn't really know that that Luke really helps. Um, you know, put 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 some a lot of emphasis on women. Um, we uh, we hear a lot about Mary Magdalene in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, a lot of the followers uh, he mentions, um, as you mentioned, the genealogy. You know, taking it all the way back, and of course, uh, 
you know, Mary, our mother. Um, it's in the Gospel of Luke. We hear that the angel announced, hail full of grace. Of course, we get the hail Mary from that. Um, and so there's there's so many more. Um, you get to see, I say, a full a pic, fuller picture of uh, the life of Jesus on earth and who his followers were. And I think also uh, for, for, of course, for the women listening to this podcast and for women who are reading the gospel, I think seeing that also, I think, helps them out as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's sort of um, a modern interpretation that maybe Jesus, you know, Jesus was somehow sexist or something because he only had male followers. Uh, anybody who really claims that, I think, has not read the Gospels. Uh, not fully, because you see from the beginning, and Luke emphasizes it uh, as well, that, that there are a set of women following following Jesus from the beginning. Um, not only that, but in the moment of the crucifixion, the only ones who remain faithful, besides John, who of course is standing at the, at the foot of the cross with Mary, um, are, are the women. Right? It's the women who actually maintain their faithfulness while the other apostles scatter and flee. Um, and as well, it's, it's the women who are there mourning at the tomb uh, as you know the third day comes that, that realize um, that Jesus is risen. And so send the message back to the apostles. So women are, are a staple and a, a model of faithfulness uh, in the Gospels. So Father House and Father Friedel with, with Lent upon us. Um, I know, Father House, you, you encouraged me one year to do, what is it, you read two chapters a day for 40 days? Or? Oh, if you start on Ash Wednesday with the first three chapters of Matthew and then re- read two chapters every day, mm. by Holy Thursday, you'll read all four Gospels. Four Gospels. I think that's that's a really cool, easy thing to do. It can take anywhere between five or ten minutes, depending on the length. Uh, so as we close out this, uh, this episode, guys, um, as Lent is coming, and again, people are probably going to be reading the Gospels as maybe something uh, they want to do this Lent, or if they're going to daily Mass, um, what what encouragement do you have, or, or, or what, what do you want to say to people as, as they begin their Lenten journey with a, a folk, if they're really focusing on, you know, getting into Scripture? I think just um, enter in, you know, hear the stories. Pretend you've never heard them before. <laughs> so many of us have these kind of preconceptions of, of what Jesus is doing. Um, just sit in the lap of the father and hear the story again. Uh, it's kind of, it's timeless. It really is, but there's always something new in it. So just, just begin and take it slow. You know, even if you can't get to two chapters a day, read <laughs> one paragraph of the gospel, uh, every day. And if you do that, then you really do kind of your eyes really become wide open to the way that God is acting in the world. And for concern with Lent, I mean, even if you're not going to read the four gospels, follow the church's lectionary cycle, which you can go on the bishop's website every day and get the daily readings. You know, Lent is very much, it's a love story. People don't think of it that way. We're so, at times, we get bogged down by the notion of sacrifice and self-denial. Well, that's to help us to receive the fullness of God's love. Lent is a great love story, and we see that clearly in the readings if we follow them. The whole mystery of the cross does not come until the end of the Lenten season. It's not until after the fifth Sunday of Lent. So we get into Passion Tide, but those first five weeks of Lent, the readings are all about conversion and God's call for us to come back to Him. So that's what Lent is. So just simply let the Scriptures lead you on that great journey back to the heart of the Father. That's great advice, Father House, Father Friedel. Good to see you. Happy Lent. Do we say Happy Lent? Sure, why not? Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> this has been Dive Deep for more podcasts. Head on over to dive.org/podcast. We hope you do have a great Lent. And until next time, we see you right here on Dive Deep.